welcome to another episode of Downtime with the Cranston Public Library. We're a podcast for cool people who love libraries where we talk about what we've been reading, what we've been watching, and what we've been loving. I'm your host, Taylor, and the branch librarian at the Oakland Branch Library, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, everyone. I am Emily Goodman. I work for the Office of Library Services up at your state capitol, and uh, I... I'm also um, maybe a familiar voice to some, uh, one of the co-hosts of the Roadie Radio podcast. So um, very, very much friends with uh, our downtime friends here at the Cranston Public Library. And I'm here today to talk to you all about what I've been reading, particularly as it comes to romance novels. So I'm very excited to get into that conversation. And my pronouns are she, her. Yes, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is kind of our Valentine's Day episode. I think this will come out the Tuesday right before Valentine's Day. Galentine's Day, technically. Perfect. <laughs> um, so yes, we will talk about romance novels and uh, reading it and discussing it with others in a book club setting a little bit later in the show. But first, let's start off as we always do with what have you been reading currently right now? Well, right now, so I just finished the 28-hour-long audiobook of Iron Flame, the second in the Fourth Wing series, so that was an accomplishment. I'm 200 pages in. Oh, man. It's pretty good. So I I feel like I hopped on Fourth Wing as a series on that trend um, by accident. I had no idea what it was about. I was preparing to go on a long trip. So I was flying out to Seattle, like a direct flight from Boston. And so I said, I need to have a good audiobook to listen to. And I was looking through what my friends had been rating on Goodreads and a couple people had rated it as five stars. And I was like, well, they said it's good. And then magically it was uh, a simultaneous copy on overdrive for the for the e-zone for the audiobook and i said well this is it i I guess i have to download this (laughs) and i did and i listened to it in two days so one like half of it on the flight out to seattle and then on my flight home a few days later uh ripped through the whole audiobook and i was like yeah cool that was good like the the next one's coming out i'll put that on hold when it comes out and then all of a sudden like everybody was talking about it and so now I was like, well, I have to read the second one. And now that I finished <laughs> the second one, I'm like, I don't know if I have it in me to listen to the third one. Um, it does. It doesn't on another good cliffhanger is the problem. So I kind of want to know. And I've been sort of liking it to Hunger Games. So if people haven't started listening to it, if you liked Hunger Games, I feel like you'll probably like Fourth Wing. Yeah, there's the love triangle with like the new boy versus the old boy mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and yeah, there is also kind of like a very cutthroat environment. And the second book had content warnings in the beginning with how brutal it is. And so far, um, it has not been anything that has bothered me so much that I felt like I needed to stop. But I was like, oh, I see why these content warnings are here. Because like, wow, why do we have to be so mean to people just to train them to fight <laughs> in a war? Um, I mean, I get it. Dra- like the whole dragon element is that dragons are ruthless, you know, like that the reason that they allow riders in the first place is because like they need humans and it- it's a very like symbiotic relationship. Um, but also a dragon will not hesitate to eat you for lunch <laughs> if they think that you're weak. Yeah. So I-, I mean, I guess that's the rationale of like, well, if you've got to put up with dragons and, and a war where dragons and griffins and stuff are fighting then like you have to be a very tough individual 
Um, but yeah, it always just brings me back to the question of like, why do we have to break people to train them for things? Absolutely. That doesn't feel good to me. Um, yeah. And the, and the, I felt like that way in the first book. And then the second book was like, hold my beer. Second year, <laughs> even worse. Absolutely. Yeah. It gets, <laughs> it gets wild. I don't know if reading it on, are you reading it on the page or are you listening to it? I'm reading it, it okay. on the page. I don't know if it would impact me differently. I feel like sometimes when I'm listening, uh, I let a lot of that wash over me. So like I don't have the in- immense feelings that I've had when I've been reading a physical book, when I'm listening to an audiobook. Mostly. There are some exceptions. But um, I'm not sure at times that I could have been reading that and imagining it uh, as intensely as I might if I was looking at it on the page. I'm tempted to like do the like read a sample so I don't have to mm. wait for the audiobook because I've spent the whole like 400 pages of the last book and 200 pages of this book being like, how do you say that word? No idea. <laughs> no clue. I ch- like I change it in my brain every time I take a new pass at it and it's something different. And I'm just like, would love to know a definitive answer on this one. So here's, here's an interesting thing is one, um, I can li- like when I listen and I, f- I like that this about people's names in books too. Um, and I find when I'm in book clubs, people will be pronouncing a name. I'll be like, I don't know that character because <laughs> we know it very differently. Yeah. Um, but I would not, if you were to hand me the book and I probably saw these words, I'd be like, Oh, I don't know. What word is that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then if you read it to me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, that's familiar. But I've also heard some criticisms about the book that um, the language is based on it's either Scottish or Gaelic words that the author took and used in the book and then insisted on a different pronunciation. And when people were like, hey, that's actually – that's not how we say it in this language, she was like, mm, too bad. My creative license is that I get to pronounce it however I want. And so some people are mad. So even if uh, you think you know what you're, what it is, <laughs> you're probably wrong in two ways, the real language way and then – whatever Rebecca decided the words were pronounced as, which I assume that the audiobook pronounces them the way that she wanted them to be pronounced. So yeah, because from what I understand, you get a pronunciation guide from the publisher, if like if it's necessary. So I'm assuming the publisher is getting that from the author. That makes sense. Yeah. But no, I didn't know that. And yeah, that that does make me pause to Mm -hmm. be like, Telling people their whole culture is wrong. Not the best look. Just not how she wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I can see both. Like, I can see both sides of it. Like, telling a whole culture that your their language is wrong. Not a great look. Not a good but look. But then, like, I, I kind of almost get her rationale of, like, okay, but this is a fantasy world that I created. Mm-hmm. But again, if you're, I don't know. If you're going to pull from but different if you're cultures, create I think it. you should respect yeah create it from scratch create your own or language respect the yeah. culture yeah yeah that's mm-hmm. fair yeah all right i talked myself into probably right. the right take um <laughs> the take that won't get me canceled i mean but go. people need to know who you are to get canceled so yeah sure there's that <laughs> um 
But yeah, are there plans for more? I was assuming there were plans for more. So yeah, I'm 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 on board. I'm fully on board, but there's a little part of me that hates that I'm fully on board. Uh-huh. Um, because there's a little part of me that's all like mad that she made me like the the enemy to lovers person. Oh, are you not an enemies to lovers? I well, I don't know. One, I don't read a lot of it. This was like the first okay. time I'd really read it. But going into it, I was like, oh, this is going to be enemies to lovers. And I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. Because, like, I guess on the surface, like, enemies to lovers, like, it's going to make me like the bad guy. But, like, Mm -hmm. this one was way more nuanced than that so far. But, like, it's still not super healthy. So there's part of me that, like, (laughs) there's part of me that hates that I'm, like, all, I'm, like, I'm just having thoughts where I'm, like, but he's writing you letters. He's super sweet on the inside. You can bring the sweetness out of him. And I'm just like, Taylor, if this was a real person, you'd be like, it's not your job to fix other human beings. Get out of there. Yeah, I feel like I had some real suspicions about Zayden in the first book. Yeah. And definitely by the end of Iron Flame, I was like finding myself out loud being like, oh, Zayden. <laughs> So I don't know, I'll be interested to hear if you turn yourself around on that one. Like I said, I'm already turned around, but I hate myself for it. But maybe you'll hate yourself less for it as <laughs> as you get to know him a little bit more. Because yeah. I feel like we don't get to know him in the first one. We are yeah. seeing him through her eyes a lot in the first one. And in the second one, you start to see a bit more of him as like he explains himself to her and the conversations that they have are more telling about who he is versus just who she sees him as. He's definitely, I think, the most nuanced character in the whole book series. Well, turn it to something that can be a little bit more generally applied to other books. Great. Which is, so you listening to it on audiobook, Mm -hmm. on a plane. Yes. Did you feel weird when it got spicy? So... Something that you need to know about me is that I am almost always listening to a spicy audiobook. Okay. And so at any place in the world, uh, if I have headphones on, there is a likelihood that it is a spicy scene in an audiobook. Um, so no, didn't feel weird at all. You're into it. Yep. Uh, not that you're into it like in a weird way, but I mean like you've you've I'm into it enough that I listen to it all the time. <laughs> In fact, uh, I was on a road trip once (laughs) with my family (laughs) and my mom's car automatically um, connects to my Bluetooth and will start playing, uh, apparently, my audiobooks. Not the music that I was playing before we left the car and then came back in. It would automatically start playing my audiobook. And luckily for me, um, I listen to my audiobooks sped up at at least one and a half times and that freaks everybody else out. So... as scenes of my audiobook were like playing and it luckily it was also never in the middle of a spicy scene yeah but like there were times it was a little bit like we were we were ramping up for something uh and my family would just be like oh it's crazy that you listen to it that fast how do you even know what's going on I'm like oh I'm so glad you guys don't know what's going on because <laughs> we'd have to have a very different conversation <laughs> Yeah, I've never been like a fast audiobook person. Mm-hmm. And and especially something like that. I don't know. I'm trying to pick my words very carefully here mm-hmm. to not expose myself. 
in you a work setting. You want to enjoy setting. the experience? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, to not expose myself in a work experience, but like, I don't know if I could be getting the desired feelings mm. that the author intended if it was at one and a half times speed. I, gotcha. I feel like I would just be like cracking up that that's happening at mm-hmm. one and a half times speed. Mm. I guess as you listen to a lot of things on one and a half speed, that becomes your like base normal. Yeah. So for me, actually, when things are slower, it feels like people are not talking normally. I'm like, why (laughs) are you taking so long between all of your words? And I think that it has also impacted me in how quickly I speak in public uh, and with other people. Um, I've always sort of been a fast talker, but I think that speeding up my audiobooks has really ruined me. (laughs) I can't ever go to the South. People will be like, get out of here. We don't know what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah, so it doesn't impact the experience for me um, listening to it. But I will say a few times in Iron Flame, and I don't remember feeling this way in Fourth Wing, the audiobook narrator gets faster and more intense in certain scenes. So as they're like in battle or something like intense is happening, I could sense that the, the narrator was trying to lean into that with how she was narrating it and sometimes I'd be like yo girl calm down like why are you speaking so fast and then I have to be like Emily you have it on fast and what she's doing is probably at one speed maybe 1.25 speed yeah. for everybody else who's listening I'm just like "Ooh, it's getting really intense like she's talking a little bit faster and so when I have it on like 1.65 speed which is why I listen to this one on I'd be like yo girl slow it slow down slow down I'm like whoa <laughs> you're getting real anxiety. worked up <laughs> yeah so uh there you go uh if you want to listen to the audiobook anybody who's listening um it does have a good experience with the pacing and then I would notice you know other times when things are calmer she would go back to her like normal slow speaking voice so like I said I think I'm tempted to might just like do the sample and listen Mm -hmm. for like five ten minutes just to get like the country names the Mm -hmm. school's name the dragon's names oh yeah and you know what I think sometimes when you're reading a fantasy and you're not it's clear that you are not sure what that word is because you haven't experienced it before I think sometimes we have this tendency to like go extra wild with it because we're so not sure that's like it can't possibly be as straightforward as I think it is yeah 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 I often in my when I'm reading things and I don't know I just like see the word and I go oh yeah that word and I know what it means and I know who it is or whatever um but my brain does not pronounce it we just oh oh, yep that word (laughs) and we're at uh, uh, village I don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah um all right so now that we spent a lot of time but it's still on topic because it's romanticy an emerging subgenre both romance and fantasy um but (laughs) have you been watching anything interesting lately um so one slightly in line with romance is i have been doing a rewatch recently of the good witch which is a hallmark show about small town people in sort of I think they are a few hours north of Chicago is where the town is supposedly set. Um, Main character, mom, like, 
runs a cute little eccentric store in downtown. Everybody is well connected. Uh, she's best friends with like the restaurant owner down the street. Um, but like she and her daughter are quote Marywicks, that's their familial name. And they're supposedly like descended from witches. Uh, so they always like know what's going on. And, and I feel like Hallmark really tries to play this up, especially in the beginning seasons. And so they play like some spooky music and you're meant to be like, oh, what do they know that we don't know? What kind of magic is happening? And um, ultimately, it's just uh, they've got good intuition about people and that's it. So it's really straightforward. And as you get past the sort of spookiness that they play up, uh, they stop doing that after the first season or two. And it's just like a really campy story about (laughs) this really affluent small town community in the middle of the country just doing their thing. There is some romance between a few characters. Uh and there is some good witchy vibes, particularly, I'm sure if you watched it like live on the Hallmark Channel around Halloween time, they would do special Halloween episodes that are a little bit witchier than the rest of the season. So that's what I've been watching. And then in a totally different spin, I recently watched this documentary, I think it's on Hulu, called Daughters of the Cult. And it is uh, told from the perspective mostly of these two women. They are sisters, daughters of this... Uh, religious cult leader from the 80s. Uh, He built up this whole religion sort of similar to Mormonism, but um, not aligned with the Mormons at all. But it is a polygamous um, community. And so it gets wild, uh, dark, crazy stuff. Um, Interesting, but definitely not a romance (laughs) no that's all right but it makes me think of and i don't think i talked about this on the show dave stop me if i did talk about this um a while back just talking about i'm not usually a documentary person but i think it was david who actually heard about this documentary this is on max um it's oh i forget what the name of the documentary is but it's about the cult of mother god oh and it's all about this woman who like was a very normal person but had you know some trauma did i talk about this already is that <laughs> Dave why you're is appearing. Back? <laughs> i'm in suspense oh hold on it's in the it's in the chat oh in the chat okay Love has won. Okay, yes, it is called Love has won. Um, uh, yeah, because that was kind of their whole thing. They were, I don't know, it had kind of like a hippie, I don't want to say like free love in the sense that they were all sleeping with each other because that didn't really go into that, into the documentary. But it had like a definitely like hippie new age kind of cult kind of vibe where it was this woman who you know, had her trauma and stuff growing up and as a young adult, but ultimately had a very normal upbringing and then started like going into forums online and reading about stuff about like, like the fifth dimension and all of this kind of like spiritual new age stuff. And it got to the point where basically she became under a delusion that she was mother God. Okay. So that she was like, an incarnation of God sent to earth in order to help heal the planet, I guess. 
but like that makes it sound like way more altruistic than it is like they were like doing all these live streams like it was like really an example of how like the internet can allow people to get uh like indoctrinated into this kind of stuff and the internet can allow people to use that kind of power and influence to scam people out of money so they were Mm -hmm. like selling all of these one-on-one sessions with the different people in the cult um selling products uh the but the i don't know if i want to spoil but the documentary starts with the ending oh interesting so like you know from jump that this goes bad and then the whole rest of it was like a three-part kind of mini series Mm -hmm. and going through it is basically like leading you to the ending that we saw in the that you saw in the beginning oh interesting yeah yeah the the documentary that i watched did not so i started with this like oh i'm very interested in like all kinds of different religions and how they're structured and and how you know people get wrapped up in different types of religions um and so this will be interesting like i'll learn about this from these people and you can tell from the beginning that like it did not end up well. These women wanted to get out of it uh, by the time that they were teenagers and they started to realize that like something was not right, but they otherwise were like, we grew up in it. We didn't really know any different. Um, and so I thought it was just going to be a pretty normal story of like an oppressive cult and the experience leaving it. And it's just like halfway through, it just takes like an absolutely wild turn. Um and like the the original leader believes in um like uh, there's a word for it but it's basically like sacrificing people that god tells him should be sacrificed and like it is all part of god's mission and just it just like like wow so crazy and at times i was like i don't I'm not sure that I really was – this is what I was in for. But then it's like, I don't know. There's only eight episodes. I guess I have to see how this goes. <laughs> and it just keeps getting crazier and crazier as it goes on. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar experience with this one. Like we sat down being like, let's start this and see if this is something we want to watch. We'll first watch the first episode and then go to bed. Mm-hmm. Then after we watched the first episode, we just – we ended up finishing it that night and going to wow. bed like super late because we were like – we like I need to know it's like yeah a few years ago I watched this documentary I think also on Hulu and it was again like a series a docu-series mm-hmm. um about some guy who basically led this Ponzi scheme uh in which he told people particularly his friends and family was who it started out with that he would take their money and invest it and he would get them like a certain amount of money back right classic uh and so he builds this huge empire. He has lots of people working for him. Uh, he is, in fact, not actually investing everybody's money. Um, and one day, the FBI show up at his workplace and they like think he's out at like a meeting or something. They're like, we don't really know where he is. And they shut it down and they take all the stuff and they're like, he becomes like on the FBI's most wanted list. Uh, they actually get him he's arraigned he's supposed to be going to court and somehow in the transport from jail to the court for his hearing for all of this stuff he just disappears they think that like maybe somebody let him go 
and he is still out there. Nobody knows where he is. And like his own wife is just like, mm, I don't know. That's not who I thought I was in a relationship with. Like had no idea. Wool was pulled over her eyes. I'm pretty sure that she worked there as like a secretary or something. Again, this is in like the 70s or something. And it just like you think you're going to sit down and like, oh, interesting. How do people like con other people out of money? And you're like, FBI's most wanted. Like <laughs> crazy. And they're, Yeah. I don't remember what that one is called, but I wish I did because I would love to tell everybody I know to watch it. It was very good. But it was funny because the documentary was like something that David and I kind of like weirdly both enjoyed and agreed on for like the for the first time in a long time. So I was like, is this it? Are we going to become <laughs> are we going to become documentary people? Because I never imagined myself like no shade, but I'm just like I never was a person who was like, oh, I watched this documentary. It was so interesting. Um but I was like, are we going to become documentary people? Because that's the only thing that we could, like, agree to watch. But yeah, cults. Cults be wild in. Cults are crazy, man. <laughs> and we'll return to the show after a quick break. Looking to upgrade your computer skills? Cranston Public Library is here to help. At the Central Library, we offer computer classes throughout the month on topics like computer basics, using email, and introduction to various Microsoft programs like Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. We even offer some intermediate classes to allow you to keep leveling up your skills. We also hold open tech time Tuesday and Thursday afternoons from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Central Library and Wednesdays 2 to 4 p.m. at the William Hall Library. At Open Tech Time, you can get one-on-one -on -one help with specific tech questions or learn how to use a new device that you just purchased. For more information about computer classes, go to cranstonlibrary.org computers. Want new books but don't want to leave your house? Borrow ebooks and audiobooks to read on your phone or tablet using the Libby app by Overdrive. You can even send and read your borrowed ebooks to your Kindle e reader, US only. To learn more, visit cranstonlibrary.org or overdrive.com slash apps slash Libby. All right. Okay. Um, so I want to have enough time to. <laughs> Emily can sense my segue and then goes okay like she's ready for the next part i see you teacher i see what's happening in this classroom <laughs> um but i want us to have enough time to talk about what you came on here to talk about you said you've been part of some romance focused book groups um can you talk a little bit about that experience yeah so the first one that i attended was at the cranston public library with Alyssa, the young adult librarian at Central. And uh, I'm also a part of her Young Adult for Adult book club. And there was a lot of interest in that group for romance titles. I think there's a bit of crossover of people who are reading those two genres. And so she did just like a, a three-part series um, just about romance novels. And it's continuing now um, with because there's been, you know, it, it was so successful the first time around. And it's really fun to be a part of a group that's talking about a specific genre, because not only are you talking about books and the way that books, um, you know, the plot happens and the story arcs happen, but 
there's a lot of formula to romance novels. And so being able to kind of dissect the ways that books are are different in their formula, whether that's the trope that's being played, and to see how different books treat the formula um, and what they might omit or what they, how they follow the formula, but might be different from others, which is, I think, like, romance can get a really bad rap. First of all, a lot of people are like, oh, it's just porn, but it's like so much more than that. And even though it's formulaic and like mystery is also formulaic, there's something really familiar about reading it that you kind of can expect, even though the specifics are going to be different, that it's you know the experience that you're walking into. It adds a depth to the conversation, Um, particularly when, like me, you read a lot of romance. And so I know a lot about all of these tropes and all of these story arcs and the formulas, but um, to talk about it with people who don't really read a lot of romance, it's hard. Whereas a group full of people who are like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about and seeing it differently is really really a great experience. So we thank Alyssa for putting that together. And uh, yeah, I've joined another one at a, at a library actually in Massachusetts that I attend virtually. Um, same concept, which is really nice. It's funny. I recently have been more interested in reading romance and kind of wanting to get into it a little bit more, especially adult romance. Like I've re- I read a lot of YA romance for like committee work that I've done and stuff in the past. But like, I'm like, maybe I should read some romance meant for adult. And that was like part of going into fourth wing. Cause I was like, okay, mm-hmm. already something I'm familiar with and into fantasy dragons, magic here for that. It's like, but we're also adding the element of a more adult romance mm-hmm. to it. So I was, and that it was partially that. And partially because I felt like I was hearing very split reviews from librarians like I was hearing some people were like, oh, I loved it. It was great. And then I was hearing some people were like, it's trash. And so I was like, well, I want to form my opinion myself. Um, and yeah, I lean towards liking it. Um, we had a recording the other day. Uh, I don't know. Do you know Maggie Brown? Yes, I, I okay. do know Maggie Brown. Okay. <laughs> we talked to her about books with time loops. Um, but we also had a conversation about she describes it as brain candy, which mm-hmm. is basically kind of like fluffier, maybe not as literary or um, complex as <laughs> some other books or other genres. But I really appreciated her phrasing it that way because I felt like that was way more positive than um yeah, some people are like, oh, I'm reading this really trashy book right now. And I'm just like, are you enjoying it, though? Is it what you need right now? You do you. And here's the thing. So I am a person that doesn't really read literary fiction. And when I do, I'm always like, like, you guys are taking so long to explain like such a simple concept. And I think that romance really gets to the heart of the human experience. But it's plot driven. So Mm. like it happens quickly. I mean, sometimes things take a while. You've got your slow burns. Um, It doesn't always happen like, you know, by the first or second chapter that they're in love. Often it takes you about half the book before at least one of the characters admits they're in love, even if you know by chapter two that they're in love. (laughs) Um, But it, it can grapple with so many different things because of that formula that I think sometimes literary fiction wants to grapple with, but they have to create a whole scenario for, I don't know, like, so there's the, the book that controversial opinion, Normal People by Sally Rooney. Mm, 
one of the longest books I had to slog through. I read it for a book club. And I just was like, I don't know, guys, nothing is happening. Uh, Because there's a little bit of like slice of life. It's like every couple of years, the same two people come around together. um, And they're like, maybe they're in love, but they're not really. I don't know. Um, And I just feel like if it had followed a romance story arc and formula uh i probably would have been way more into it but because it had to be literary it just felt like not enough was going on for how how long i had to read that book for (laughs) i just remember being halfway through that book and be like when is this going to end because I don't care about your relationship and I'm a person that cares about people's relationships and books. That's like <laughs> the number one thing that I care about. Sorry, Sally Rooney, that one didn't do it for me. So um, did you come with some things that you wanted to recommend? Yeah, I mean, there's part of me that wants to be selfish and be like, can you tell me some more romanticy stuff for when I finish? Okay, so here's <laughs> the thing. Like- I have a recommendation that I have been parroting to everybody and it okay. is a little bit uh it's not quite romanticy it is okay. a um historical fantasy uh with a little bit of magical realism you may have heard of it it's called divine rivals and i read it shortly after i read fourth wing and i've got to tell you if i had to pick between the two of them divine rivals wins every single competition um so young woman working for a newspaper in a war-torn world. I I don't think it's our known earth. Um, And so she's got a rival at the newspaper. They both want a promotion and um, they've always sort of been in competition with each other in like school and at this newspaper. Uh, Her brother is off fighting the war that is happening that everybody is um, really focused on in this world. And so uh, she picks up And is like, I'm going to go find my brother and report on the war because that seems important to me. And in in preparing to do that, she finds this typewriter in um, her closet and and learns that it is a magical typewriter. And she starts writing letters to the person who is on the other end of this typewriter who like there is a second magical typewriter. And so their letters get to each other. Um, And so she takes it with her and they write letters um, through her experience. And she. obviously falls in love with the person on the other side of that typewriter and it, you know, is trying to do really good work in the war. And so it's got that sort of battle experience that fourth wing has without you being at a war college and it's got romance. It's got touch of magical realism, divine rivals. That's my top suggestion for you. Okay. I love a good magical realism. So like anybody who read one last stop, Loved it. I absolutely adored that book. So cute. A woman in, I think it's in New York City, meets another woman on a train. Turns out that other person is a ghost. I don't know if I just spoiled it. Oh, we should should probably look at that. I should look at the summary. Um, But yeah, so she rides this train um, in order to see her ghost lover in one last stop. Beautiful. Absolutely wonderful book. Great. Um, so we wrap up the show with the segment I call the last chapter where we talk about a library or bookish related question. And I always have fun when I ask this question and I felt like it was particularly appropriate for like a romance Valentine's Day episode question, which is, have you ever had a crush on a book character? And if so, who was it? 
Oh, what a good question. I'm sure I have had many crushes on book characters. Um, though I don't I don't think I'm a person that has ever read a book and been like had a crush on a character in such that like I wish they were real and they could be mine. I think that I really fall in love with the love story of the two characters. So it would be really mean, I think, for me to be like, <laughs> oh, I want this other person's like love interest that I have been like rooting for them to be together the whole time. Um, but I think, oh, I really, I really hate like committing to things like this. Cause I feel like <laughs> as soon as we hang up, I'm going to say, Oh shoot, I should have said this instead. But one of my top contenders, I think for a quote unquote bookish boyfriend um, or like book crush is in actually a young adult romance novel um, by Jodi P. Colt. And I think her daughter, I think they co-wrote this. It is Between the Pages or something like that. It's it's a little bit older and it's basically, it is about, wouldn't you believe, uh, a young girl who falls in love with a character in a book. And so they can converse with each other uh, and nobody believes her that she can talk to this guy in this book and none of the other characters in the book believe him that he can talk to the main character uh, but they fall in love anyway and they have this like between the book and real life romance um, and I just remember really being enamored with that um, the male character in that book yeah do you have one um, I mean, when I've asked this question before, I definitely, when I was younger, I think I had the kind of what you're talking about of like, I wish this character was real so that they could, uh, you know, date me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's an indication <laughs> of how lonely I was as a teenager. Um, but yeah, I think now as an adult, it's just more of be love like, yes, this man is not a piece of garbage mm-hmm. like like this man is a keeper and you should keep him yes like that it just made me and this is why this is a ya um book and i did talk about that i've re- been reading it but i did just finish uh a british girl's guide to heartbreak and hurricanes which was the kind of like sequel companion novel to a Cuban girl's guide to tea and tomorrow. Um, okay. It's it includes a character from that book. It's uh, the, the main character from the first book, her love interest sister is like the main character of this book. Okay. And, and this book is very much like the, the first one did not have a love triangle. It was just like the development of this like romance of two people who are meeting under somewhat unlikely circumstances because One's from Miami, one lives in Britain, they meet when she's over there. Uh, but this one is like a love triangle of kind of like, again, like the new guy versus the the lifelong best friend. Mm-hmm. But I remember being Classic. surprised that she goes for the lifelong best friend. Like I spend most of the book being like, this new guy, this, this, this spicy Cuban photographer man, very, very tempting. Like, I like... Like, I could see if you fall for him. And, yeah, of course, there was, like, you know, that kiss and then it was whatever. But ultimately, like, she ended up with the the lifelong best friend. And it almost made me – it made me think of this book display idea of, like, a February, like, Valentine's Day book day display that's just, like, she picks the good boy, like, instead of the bad boy. Oh. Uh, but I don't know besides that book how many others I could find. 
So if you if you feel like there's enough representation of that in romance for me to make that display, please let me know. That is not one of the tropes that I think I would be able to pull example of. Because I feel like it's a real flipping of the trope. Yeah, it really is. Although, I will say, I'm not sure that I have read any romance novel in which there is a true bad boy. Like, the guy that they always end up with is always good. Like, they're misrepresented at the beginning. And we were talking (laughs) earlier about the enemies to lovers. And I think that I have a hard time with enemies to lovers because it's either done so poorly that they aren't really enemies and I can tell right away. Like, it is so (laughs) clear because you just can't – I don't think you can do it in a book to – to flip real enemies into lovers because if you're real enemies something happened something really bad happened that you really have to work through and so i think um i really prefer when i prefer the rivals because i think that there's something really good about like you've decided that there's something between you that's negative because they have something that you want or they're going for something that you Mm. want and like you can't possibly be in love because you're in competition with one another but then you can develop you know, you can have both of those things or a second chance romance where something went wrong, but you have a history of being in a relationship or being in love or like being friends or something like that, that then later you can work through because your problem and a problem a lot of times in romance novels is like, you could have just had a conversation about that. Like a little <laughs> yeah. bit of communication goes a long yeah. way, guys. Uh, and so I think those two tropes are are a lot easier. Um, but I think... I think she always picks the good guy might be my hot take on that. Yeah, no, because even in this one, he was a really good guy. He ended up being like Mm -hmm. a really great friend to her and and really helping her during a time when she was grieving. There was also a fake dating element, too. Oh, I love a fake dating (laughs) element. Yeah, there there was a fake dating element, too, of like... I just want to be, you know, like aloof and unattached. So we're going to date. So my parents get off my back about dating this other girl who'd be really great for me. So, yeah, it was more just like that. I guess that he was like had like a reputation of being like a player and, and mm-hmm. a little bit more than him being like a bad boy because he wasn't. Sure. Yeah, they do usually end up with the misunderstood angsty guy that nobody else understands yeah and that's like halfway through this book that's where i thought it was going and then like it took a turn and i was like oh no we're 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 deeply invested in the best friend romance (laughs) we're going there that sounds beautiful (laughs) yeah ultimately it was it was very lovely and it did wrap up very nicely because like at first i was just like kid you gotta accept that she's not into you and that she's Mm -hmm. gonna run off with hot Cuban photographer boy. But then I was like, oh, wait, no, we did some soul searching and we figured it out and we figured out we actually are into the lifelong best friend. I was like, okay. I love that. It reminds me (laughs) of, so the the trope of second chance romance, there is a book about, I think it's called The Road Trip and I'm sure I have talked about this book on a Roadie Recommends before, (laughs) um, where... This woman is going to a friend's wedding 
and she's traveling with like one of her friends and their car breaks down and who drives up in the car behind them to like check if they're okay but her ex-boyfriend and like the crew that he's with going to this wedding i think he's with like his best friend so there's four of them that start and they pick up a fifth person who's like 100 percent there for comedic relief through the rest of it um which is excellent uh he's just like a guy that convinces them that he's he needs a ride to the wedding because they all end up at the same hotel together. It's it's just and he's bonkers. He's just absolutely bonkers. Um, but so they have a broken down car. They're trying to get to this wedding, and so now all of them have to pile into the ex boyfriend's car uh, and drive together. And the main woman's best friend hates the ex boyfriend. The uh, ex boyfriend's best friend hates the ex girlfriend because like something happened again, probably a miscommunication. I can't remember the specifics, but. Um, something happened that like really blew them up, but they were all part of the same friend group. And so everybody took sides. Uh, but now there's a, you know, one of the mutuals is having the sweating. So everyone is going. And so it's, I think it handles it really well where you kind of believe that something really terrible happened that they're not going to be able to get over. But at the same time, there are inklings where it's like, maybe you guys, like, you just need to have the resolution, the, like, the final conversation in which you actually air all of your grievances and explain it away and, like, be able to walk away and, like, it is a second chance romance, so you know where it goes. <laughs> um, but I thought that one was really handled quite well. And you need the comedic relief fifth person uh, because it does – it's tough. It's tough. I think that they had good reason to break up when they did. And so to get through that is really hard in real life. And so in the book, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just like, oh yeah, quick, easy, get back together. It was, I thought it was handled really, really well. So that's my other recommendation. Great. Um, well, thank you for joining yeah. me and thank you everyone for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us to answer our last chapter question or just to reach out to the show, you can do that by emailing us at downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. You can also reach out to us via social media with the hashtag DowntimeCPL. If you're feeling generous, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because it helps people find the show. Thank you again for listening. And this has been another episode of Downtime. Downtime is a project of the Cranston Public Library and is produced by Elena Rios, Robin Nizio, and me, Taylor Cardillo. Audio engineering by Dave Bartos. Our theme music is Day Trips by Ketza. And our ad music is Happy Ukulele by Scott Holmes. Links to the books and movies discussed can be found in the show notes. Remember to rate and review Downtime on Apple Podcasts. Connect with the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the hashtag DowntimeCPL. And if there's something you'd like to hear on the show, send an email to downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the speaker's own and do not represent those of the Cranston Public Library. The material and information presented here is for general information purposes only. The Cranston Public Library name, in all forms and abbreviation, are the property of its owners and its use does not imply endorsement or opposition to any specific organization, product, or service. The content of this episode is the property of the Cranston Public Library and may not be reproduced without express written permission. Join us next week for more Downtime. Yeah, you can edit the fourth wing fangirling down. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs>